Thanks, Kevin. And good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Steve, and thank you for joining us online. And yeah, these are crazy times. These are unprecedented times, and it feels like everyone is just increasing and increasing in their anxiety. And in 2019, we were just telling everyone to get off their devices. And in 2020, now we're telling everyone to get back on their devices. Uh, this meme going around in 2020 uh, says it perfectly. If 2020 was a person, it would be Judas, right? We all feel betrayed by what is happening. And so as you feel betrayed, what are you holding on to? As anxiety is swirling around, how are you responding? When I was a kid, my favorite playground device was the merry-go-round. And I remember going on that with family members and we'd spin round and round as fast as possible. And as a teenager, we would still play on the merry-go-round. And I had this friend named Chad. And Chad would uh, often go on and he would ask me to spin him as fast as possible. You, you, we usually do this with a group of friends and there's usually a group of girls hanging around that we would show off to. And so I would spin Chad around as fast as I possibly could. But in the middle of the spin, Chad would jump off and then he would walk around in his, in his disorientation. He would try to grab hold of things and he would always fall flat on his face. Well, he would do this over and over and oftentimes I would see that he'd be getting sicker and sicker and he really couldn't stay standing up. So around the third time, he's like, hey, Steve, why don't you get on the merry-go-round and I will spin you as fast as I can. So I jumped on, I went to the center and I grabbed a hold of the bars but I also realized that Chad was much bigger than I was. And so he began to spin the merry-go-round faster and faster and faster. And in myself, I could see and feel this anxiety rising up as it felt like my world was out of control. I remember just sitting there in, my, in a fetal position, wanting it to stop. And finally, I just yelled out, stop! But isn't that how we feel right now? As things are spinning around, as we watch the news, our anxiety is rising. It's paralyzing us. And everything within us wants it to stop. Right now, as we watch the news or read another article or watch the website and we see how many people are infecting, our anxiety is increasing. We start to ask questions like, will our medical system be able to handle this? Will I get it? Will my family get it? Yes, these are scary times and COVID-19 is testing us all. So how are you responding in this storm of 
uncertainty. We are in the middle of a series called Everything is Vapor. And today we're talking about how do we fight fear and anxiety? How do we get beyond this point of just living day to day so that we can find enjoyment again? So in this sermon, I'm going to be talking about exactly that. How do we fight fear and anxiety so that we can enjoy God's good gifts? So just a little disclaimer before I continue. I recognize that when we talk about mental health, there's a lot to swallow. We have the medical side of things. We have the spiritual side of things. But I just want to say that we're, we're all struggling. That at times we all struggle with forgiveness. We all struggle with our identity issues. We all can experience anxiety. And those who have been diagnosed with a medical condition, it, it is much more difficult. And sometimes we just lean on either medication or counseling and we forget about the spiritual issues. But on the other hand, we sometimes just lean on spiritual issues and we forget that we may need counseling and medication. I just want to say that medication and counseling aren't enemies with what Scripture wants to teach us. That they too can work together so that we can enjoy God's good gifts. So first, anxiety wheel number one. The question is, am I getting it right? Am I getting it right? Look with me at verse 9. And as you turn in your Bibles, I'm going to be highlighting things on the screen so that we can kind of emphasize different words and different points. So look with me at verse 9. It says this. But all this I laid to heart. Examine it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. But I want you to focus on these words here. Righteous and the wise. And their deeds are all in the hand of God. Notice that it's their deeds that judge or God judges. That no matter what you do, your lifestyle, whether you're righteous or not, that your deeds are in the hand of God. And at times we can be asking the question, am I getting it right? Am I doing enough for God? Am I serving enough? Am I doing my devotions? Am I getting this parenting thing right? But again, all our deeds are in the hand of God. But let's keep reading. In verse 2, it says, It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and to the evil, to the clean and to the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. 
As the good one is, so is the sinner, and he who swears as he who shuns the, an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. I want you to notice that for all, the same event happens. Again, the same event happens. The same event meaning it all ends in death. And if you notice, there's all these comparative statements, whether you're good or evil, whether you're clean or unclean, whether you were a good religious person who sacrificed or did not, whether you held to all your oaths or not, it all ends the same. It ends in death. So here's a big question. Does the Bible teach karma? Karma is really just the sum of a person's existence. And so at the end of your life, you weigh out all the good things and the bad things. And then God judges, well, whether you're good or bad. And whether you're good, well, then you go to heaven. And if you're bad, well, you go to hell. Is that, is that what the Bible was teaching there? The answer is no. The Bible does not teach karma theology. No matter if you're righteous or wicked, yes, God will judge you. Whether you committed to going to church or not, yes, God will judge you. But the preacher is telling us that we need to realize that it is God who evaluates us. That it's not so much how good you are or how bad you are, but it's the fact that we are going to stand before God and he is the judge. And it's more about knowing God than trying to control everything, than trying to be good, than trying to pray every day, do your devotions and being a good parent. It's more about knowing God than making all these judgment calls. But in the end, it all ends with death. Whether you're good, whether you're bad, we all face that same reality. Now to illustrate this, remember that there's two sides to death. There's that, that painful side, that horrific side, that when we lose someone, it, it hurts us deeply. But there's the other side that sharpens us, that renews us, when we realize that we're all going to face it. Just think of the girl Hannah Day, who died a couple months ago. She died from cancer at the age of nine. It caused the community to pause. It caused the community to reflect in their own lives as death is inevitable. On Facebook, there was countless comments expressing sorrow for their family, but also the shift in perspective. Perspective. 
Some of the comments said, you know, folding the laundry for my kids today doesn't seem like such a chore. I'm realizing that I'm not guaranteed tomorrow with my loved ones. It it makes me appreciate them so much more. Because we all face that reality. And in, in Ecclesiastes, the preacher is saying that death helps you to evaluate how you use your time, your money, your relationships. And in his grace and his mercy, death helps us with our anxiety. It stops us from asking the question over and over again, am I getting this right? It helps us realize that no, that doesn't matter so much, but it's knowing God. The preacher is saying that it's better to live in such a way that we know that death is coming rather than constantly questioning ourselves and others. The preacher is saying stop and focus on what is most important and live with eternity in mind rather than living in this anxious state. So secondly, anxiety wheel number two. Why not just give up now? Why not just give up now? Look with me again at verse nine, four to six. This is what it says. But he who is joined with all the living has hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished, and forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun." But you see, there's this comparison between a living dog and a dead lion. And really, it's just this big metaphor. It's this anthropomorphic way of expressing we are too like living dogs or dead lions. And in the Eastern world, actually, dogs are considered these dirty, vile creatures. And lions are these powerful, beautiful animals. So the conclusion of the matter is this. Cats are better than dogs. Just kidding. But the real comparison is, as the preacher is saying, is that it's better to be alive. It's better to even be a vile dog than to be a dead lion. Why? Because life is sacred. Life is a gift. In life, we can experience even the the negative emotions. Like he's saying hate and jealousy, but also in life we can experience love and all the beauty that comes with it. And he's saying to experience life with emotion is better 
than no life at all. So when a person dies, all their affections die with them. Even their ability to love. Even their ability to experience life. Even their ability to hate and envy. It's this unmixed blessing. Think of it this way. As two tracks in life. One with all the good things that we experience. And the other, all the bad things that we experience. Rick Warren says this. Most people think of life as being a series of good and bad seasons. But he felt that every season of life was more like train tracks with good and bad happening constantly and congruently. So right now, it's so easy to focus on all that has been lost. All the bad things that are happening because of COVID-19. Think of all the supply chains that have been disrupted. You know, church has been suspended. Our social gatherings have collapsed. Families can't even see loved ones. Think of all those people on the front lines who are serving in the medical system. And they too have to be isolated. Many of us already miss how it was. And I think it's okay to grieve all that has been lost. But in the midst of this, I think there's some things that we need to learn. And we need to realize it may not be the same when we come out of this. But for some reason, the entire world is being humbled. And if you're struggling, I sympathize with you. I empathize with you. Because this is hard. And in the midst of it, what I want to tell you is that God and his grace can help you. You can get through this. You can find hope in the midst of struggle. That there's some good things that are also happening on that other track that you may not be able to see. And I, I know even in myself that I can become so focused on the problem that I can't even see any good that is coming from this. But no matter what you're facing with God, it's always too soon to give up. So hang on. Hang on to his grace. Hang on to hope. Hang on to the faith that he's given you. And just right now, pause for a moment and thank God for all the good things that you may not be able to focus on right now. What are some of those good things that he's giving you? What are some of the purposes that he has for you that he wants to teach you to reinvent in yourself so that you can be your better self with God? What do you need to let go of? What needs to change? But the preacher is telling us that living is better than giving up because God has a plan for you. 
That's why we need to seek God when we feel like we are hopeless. When we feel like we're overwhelmed in the problems. So that we can find enjoyment again. Next. Anxiety wheel number three. When is it going to happen? When's it going to end? Look with me at verse 9, 11 to 12, which says this. Again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare. So the children of a man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. These verses speak to life and how unpredictable it is under the sun. In other words, no one can anticipate the time of disaster, their time of death, or the time of when even COVID-19 is going to end. It's like a fish taken in a cruel net. And like birds caught in a snare, it happens so quickly. It happens so unpredictably. And we don't know the day or the hour of our own end. But what we do know is that God is sovereign. That God has set the times He says again in Ecclesiastes, there's a time to be born and a time to die. Again, God is in control. That all these things are in his hands, working out for his good. We may not understand it, but they are in his care. Well, my wife is afraid of birds. And oftentimes when we're walking outside and a crow uh, appears out of nowhere, her anxiety gets the better of her. It's almost like she views these avian creatures as these big monsters who just jump out with their pointy beaks and big claws and are going to kill her right there. She has these moments in which we're walking and all of a sudden she just has instant panic and she's paralyzed and doesn't know what to do. The girls were telling me the other day she was at Costco and a sparrow flew by. And what did she do? Hit the ground and got under the cart. But if Megan had her way, she would control the bird population. There would be no birds. Anywhere where Megan went, there would be absolutely no avian flying beak-like creatures. But she can't control it. A Christian doctor put it this way. Many people have convinced themselves of a delusion the delusion that they are in control of their own life. 
And in Western society, we have all these innovations. We have education. We have technology. We have amazing hospitals. Yet, we can't control COVID-19. Something invisible is threatening our lives. And we're realizing we're not in the driver's seat. Even in our great capacity, we're recognized we are not in control. And the idea that we won't deal with death is a delusion. And it's causing an increase in our anxiety as we don't know what to do. We can get stuck in this delusion loop. Especially when our security is threatened. We start asking, when is this going to change? When is this going to end? When will the coronavirus situation dissipate? And the preacher is telling us that life is unpredictable. That you're not in control. And when we, tr- when we try to manipulate these things and we can't control them, we become angry and anxious and unhappy. But this is why we need to seek God when we're stuck spinning trying to control things. So how do we stop this wheel? Well, lastly, we need to enjoy God and his good gifts. Look with me at verse 7. It says this, Go, eat your bread with joy. Drink your wine with a merry heart. For God has already approved what you do. Did you catch that? Eat your bread with joy. Drink your wine with a merry heart. For God has already approved what you do. Again, enjoy life with the wife whom you love. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. And then verse 10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with might. Again, there's this theme of enjoying God's good gifts. That whatever your hand finds to do, do it with might. Do it with excellence. Do it proudly. But do it with enjoyment. This verse gives us the antidote for coping with anxiety. It's enjoying your life as you are able to. Whatever God has given your lot that you experience joy as you dine together as you experience life with your family as you read a good book as you listen to music as you love enjoy life this is biblical Enjoying the little things of life within the boundaries that God has given you. It's such simple advice, but how often do we spend most of our time complaining rather enjoying what God has given us? Some said, 
enjoying God and his good gifts is his will in Christ Jesus, no matter what happens in life. About 10 years ago, uh, we were forced to move from Abbotsford to Victoria. And, you know, my wife had a medical condition and she was deeply depressed. And we just thought it was best to be around family. But I remember having to give up so much. I had to give up a, a great job. I had to give up relationships. I had to give up my house. I remember talking this through with family members and realizing that it was me letting go was part of the problem. And I I was struggling to enjoy this new season of life because I'm the type of person that wants to work. I'm, I'm the type of person that wants to produce. And as I was letting go of my old life, I started to enjoy the little things again. One of those little things was just taking my kids out for a walk and watching the sunset. We would do that almost every night for weeks and weeks and it started to become one of my favorite things. I remember sitting at a small kid's table and I was doing arts and crafts with my eldest daughter who was about four or five at the time. And it was one of those things like, oh, I don't really want to be doing this. And all of a sudden she looked at me in this little kid voice and said, hey, dad, is there, is there anything that dad, that that, that Sorry. Dad, if you could give me all the stars in the world, would you? Was her comment. And tears started to stream down my face because I had this moment with my daughter that I'll never forget. It was a moment of enjoying the little things. But this is how we stop the anxiety wheel. It starts by enjoying and seeking God. It's knowing and basking in his love. It's finding the satisfaction and rest in him. And he helps us replace our anxiety with these loving gifts. It's learning to hold on to him so that we can experience life through his lens. His life through the promises of the gospel and all the places of our heart that are holding on to all the wrong things. It's letting go of our grip on the spinning wheel of anxiety and control and tightening our grip on God. It all starts by seeking God. And maybe today you feel like your life is spinning out of control. Just take a moment to cry out to God. To ask him to come in and to give you that firm grip that you need, that foundation. Ask God to reveal himself to you. 
And once you start letting go of all those things that you think will make you happy, let God fill all those places of your heart that will give you joy. And as we close today, I want to give you some practical things which can help you stop spinning and spinning and spinning. The first thing is stop and focus on God. Rather than focusing on all the bad things that are happening in the world, stop and focus on him. Focus yourself so you can hear the voice of Jesus rather than focusing on the problem. Take time to read the word, to dig up the promises, to grab hold of them and apply them to your life. Write them down, make a list. What is it that God wants to teach you in these moments? But take time to worship him too. What are some of those songs that are moving you right now? Moving you towards focusing on God. Create a playlist. Worship yourself. Share worship songs with other people that help you focus on God. Because ultimately it's through God that we can stop the anxiety wheel. But then just stop and enjoy God and his good gifts. When you're, when you're overwhelmed, when you're afraid, stop and enjoy God and his good gifts. What is it that you've been given that you can enjoy? Is it your spouse? Is it your kids? Is it a meal? Is it a grandparent that you need to video chat with? Is it a friend? Stop and enjoy his good gifts. And lastly, stop and pray for joy. It's so easy to live in despair. It's so easy to live in that hopelessness, especially in isolation. So stop and pray for joy. Pray that God would lift our heads and see him at work. Pray that we would be aware of the beauty around us. Pray that we would find the silver lining in our own lives. Pray for purpose. Pray for joy. So in closing, what are you holding on to? How are you responding when things are spinning out of control? Grab hold of God. Ask him to give you the joy and the enjoyment that you need. Let's pray. God, right now, when our world just seems like it's out of control, it's so easy to be focused on all the things that have gone wrong, all the things that we've lost, all the things that, God, we can't control. But help us to seek you. Help us to stop 
and focus on you? To take hold of your promises? To take hold of your gospel? To apply it to our heart and to our lives every day that we're struggling and we're trying to find hope in the midst of the swirling chaos. So God, we thank you that you've given us good gifts. Help us to see them. Help us to enjoy them. Help us to not take them for granted. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart.
These words from Numbers. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So go with God. Seek him and focus on him this week. Have an awesome time. Amen.